Is it ironic at all that when we sang a song like We Give Thanks, we had one of the weakest claps ever? Let me hear you clap. Commit! Either clap or don't clap. Good morning. I'm glad to see you. Happy early Thanksgiving. I'm always glad to see uh, faces we haven't seen in a long time. I love the, the Thanksgiving feast we do every year. Our church knows how to throw down. We have amazing food. We're Baptist, right? You know the old proverb where two or three Baptists are gathered together, there shall be a casserole. Well, we got a lot more than two or three here today, and that means we're going to have a lot more casseroles. Did you bring food? Good. If you didn't, you're not allowed to eat. If you have your Bibles, turn them to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Father, you are so good. You are so glorious. Lord, it is easy to forget that. Our needs are most often met by indirect means. We think it's the grocery store that provides us with food. Or the farmer who provides the grocery store with the food. Or a good weather pattern that provides the farmer with the food to sell to the grocery store. But your word tells us you cause the rain to fall. You cause our crops to grow. Lord, it is our goal this morning that we worship the source and thank you as the source of all good things. Lord, our sin is not in having things. Our sin is when those things become an idol or the ultimate God in our life. You are the source of those things. And we have seen things come and go. We've lost our money and we've gained our money. We've lost possessions and we've gained possessions. 
Thieves have stolen our possessions, and we have received bountiful gifts from loved ones. Our health has been fantastic, and it has been terrible. This life is fleeting. We are all to put our hope and trust in you. Your word tells us your steadfast love endures forever. As all of the earthly provisions that you give to us come and go, they don't come and go by accident. They come and go by your will. You can send the rain and you cannot send the rain. Nothing happens outside of your grasp. We wrestle so much with why evil and suffering in this life happens. We complain about it and we ask this morning that we might put hope, that we might put joy, that we might have rest and that we might have peace in knowing that your steadfast love endures forever, that you never will fail us. You are the portion who never runs out. Let us look past this week the material blessings, and thank the God of all comfort. We praise you, God. We thank you, God. Amen. John Calvin said about this psalm that its brevity renders a lengthened discourse unnecessary. In other words, Psalm 100 is so straightforward that there is little more that can be added to it without destroying its beauty and simplicity. Nonetheless, here I go. John MacArthur said that this psalm motivates us to do two things. Praise God and thank Him. But Charles Spurgeon notes the often all-too-real and that is He says, brethren, should we not rejoice that our happy land rejoices in plenty? If the plant had utterly failed and the seed had rotted under the clods, we should have been quick enough to murmur, how is it that we are slow to praise? We all have the internet. We know what happens. Someone goes to Best Buy. They have a bad experience, as they often do. Someone goes to Best Buy, they have a bad experience, and they get on the comment section, and they take a flamethrower to Best Buy. Rarely, if ever, do we go when we have good experiences and praise. Humans love to complain. We love to talk about all of the things that could be different. And unfortunately, we sometimes, and I would say frequently, do that with God. God, how come you're doing this and not that? Why don't I have more? Why doesn't the person that I love love me back? How come there's suffering in the world? And yet we fail to thank God for all of his blessings and to praise him. Our country 
has been blessed beyond measure. And we shouldn't feel guilty about that because these blessings are from the Lord. Where else would they come from if not from the Lord? The problem isn't that we have a lot. The problem comes when we forget that the source of our blessings is God. It is the sovereign Lord of heaven who makes peace on our borders, who fills us with the finest of wheat. He is the one who sends out his command to the earth and his word runs swiftly. I don't care what Jared Diamond says in Guns, Germs, and Steel. The reason why America is blessed is because God has chosen to bless it, period. The Lord is sovereign. If we're going to grasp anything this week, it is that the Lord is sovereign. To say that the Lord is sovereign is to say not only that he rules, to state a fact, he does rule, but that he has the right to rule and that he governs everything from the greatest to the least, that there is not anything that happens outside of his control. On the farthest star, in the farthest reaches of outer space, God is sovereign over the most minuscule subatomic particle. Nothing happens outside of his hand. Your tables will be filled with cornucopias of smorgasbords, and they all come from the Lord. Many of you will attribute it to your own success in this life. And certainly the Lord uses secondary means. That is that he uses a rich uncle to pay for your food. Or in my case, a wealthy father who's going to pay for my food. And I appreciate that, Dad. Thank you very much. But it comes from God. Yes, we are glad to live in America where we have first world industrialized health care. But the doctor doesn't give healing. God is the Lord of healing. Yes, he sends the doctor. But it is the Lord who heals. Thanksgiving is a national holiday. American families will celebrate together and give thanks for all that they have. But thankfulness is only as meaningful as the person to whom we say thank you. Men and women will give thanks for many things this week. Food, freedom, material possessions, healthy bodies, loved ones, jobs, safety, and many, many more things. But the question we have to ask ourselves is who are we thanking? Who is the one who will get our praise and our thanksgiving this week, Christian? Who will be the object of our praise? To whom are we grateful? To God or to men? This morning, it is my prayer that our church 
will direct her thankfulness towards the one who is worthy to be praised, Jehovah God. Let's look at our passage this morning. Psalm 101 verses 1 and 2 says this, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Scripture commands that we are to serve the Lord and to sing to him with gladness. Why don't we come and sing? Because God commands it. Uh, someone asks me all the time, they'll ask me, why, why do we have to do such and such? The, the first answer, if it is in the word of God, is simply, there's always the first answer, because God commands it. Now, it is not the only answer, but it is the right and crucial first answer to every question. When scripture commands it, my, my brother used to have a saying, he was much bigger than me, he still is, I'm going to go home this weekend to be with them in, 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 uh, or this week in Nashville and I'll immediately feel like a little kid. Forget the fact that I'm a husband, I've got three kids, I'm a pastor of a church, I'll get right there and start feeling like a little kid once again. He used to say to me, yours is not to reason why, yours is but to do or die. Now God could say that and he'd be completely right in saying so. But he gives us reasons why. Verses 1 and 2 tells us to praise God. We are to sing praises and serve him with gladness. But this, this command stretches not just beyond the Jewish people, not just to Christians, but notice what it says. All the earth is to give praise. God. Deities were often sovereign only over their own regional demarcations, but Jehovah is the Lord of all the earth. That means even the nations that do not worship Jehovah God, who have any, any sense of material blessing, it does not come from their God. It comes from Jehovah God. Every blessing comes from the Lord, even to those who curse his name. God will put up one and put down another. He causes the sun to shine on the justified and the unjustified. He causes the rain to fall on the justified and the unjustified. All good comes from the Lord. He is the God of the Jews, of the Gentiles alike. Nothing and no one that has been made nor exists apart from this Lord. In life, in love, in all things, in all lands, the world and all its citizens, Jews and Gentiles alike, are all created and called to praise God. You say, how come they don't all do it? That is a good question, isn't it? No one can say that Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Acts 17 says this. God is not served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. How much of mankind receives its life? 
all of it from the Lord. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the whole face of the earth. How much of the world comes from God? All of it. Having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place? Yes, God cares for America the same way he cares for Bangladesh, for China, for the countries of Africa, Australia. He even cares about Canadians. Where are my Canadians? They're not here this morning. Praise God. Why? That they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, says Paul. The whole world. God has made us. When we were kids, we sang a song, Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves the children of the world. He loves all nations. God has made all nations that they might seek him. But the rest of that verse says this, the time of ignorance is over. We no longer worship a God of an unknown name. We now worship the God who has made himself known in these last days through his son, Christ Jesus the Lord. But our worship of God, according to our passage this morning, comes from the overflow of our heart. David tells us to worship the Lord with gladness and to come into his presence with singing. This is not a fake ad baculum sort of praise. That is, we are not, God is not forcing us to praise him by his terror. God is not some evil dictator who forces us to praise him. This past week, I saw an interesting picture of one of the world's worst dictators walking and smiling, and crowds were smiling. Everybody was so thrilled. But behind those smiles, we know, is a forced love. That is not our God. Our God does not force us to love him. He didn't force us to love him in the garden. He gave man an option. To love him, God, and glorify him as God, or to make God, make man God. It was either that God would be God over man, or man would be God himself, and he chose to be God himself. And even then, God forgave. God is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth whose word causes our crops to grow and our barns to be full. James says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God deserves our service in praise because he is the source of all our good. <clears throat> this verse here is lived out in our midst this very morning. Black and white, Jamaican and Haitian, Bahamian and Trinidadian, Cuban and Puerto Rican, Dominican and South American, and every other people group represented in our midst this morning are all here together to serve and sing to the Lord with gladness. 
Though we are many, we understand our Lord is one. He is the essence of unity and diversity, being eternally Father, eternally Son, eternally Holy Spirit, and united in one God. It is therefore essential that we as a church direct all our praise and thanksgiving to the ultimate source of unity, the ultimate source of blessing, the one Jehovah God. Second scripture tells us in our passage this morning that the Lord is our shepherd and we are his sheep. It not only tells us the type of God we worship, but the type of relationship that we have. 100 verse 3 says, know that the Lord, he is God. That word Lord there is Jehovah. It's a specific name. It's not several other names. It's one name. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We worship God by his name. Verse 3 literally reads, know that Jehovah, he is God. The word Jehovah is an an English amalgamation of the two names for God. Yahweh and Adonai. And whenever you see the word Lord in your Bibles in all caps, the letters that are capitalized, that word is a translation of the holy sacred name Yahweh. Moses went up when he saw the burning bush and at that place it was there where God revealed his name to Moses. Listen to me. I know how attractive it is to say that every religion has their own name for God. Let me tell you, there is one name for God. There are not many faces, many masters, but one name for God. He brought down his own nation and gave them over to the Babylonians because they rejected God and worshiped the names of other gods. If God's name was called, if God was called by other names by other nations, why did he judge Israel when they worshiped other gods? No. The Lord, he is God. He is God. There is no other God. Easton's Dictionary says, Jehovah refers to the unchanging, eternal, self-existent God, the I am that I am, the covenant-keeping God. To say then that the Lord is God is to declare that the God of heaven, who is sovereign over all people, the one who made the earth and everything in it, is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. That is no other God. 
He is the covenantal God of Israel and over all those who trust in his son. Jehovah has not left us in the dark, but has made himself known by his mighty deeds. And there is no mightier deed than God becoming man, dwelling among us, and offering salvation to all who trust in the substitutionary cross of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews said, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken, that is, he has communicated, that is, he has put a name tag on his shirt, and he has spoken to us by who? Jesus Christ. In popular culture, the term God, though, means nothing. Many people this week are going to thank God. Don't be impressed. Ask, who is the God you speak of? Are you praising the same God I'm praising? God can mean the universe or the inner voice or the natural world. Or an unknown creator, or Allah, or Buddha, or Krishna, or Vishnu, or humanity, or Yahweh, or Jesus, etc., etc. John Hicks says no one of the great world religions is salvifically superior to the rest. All of the great world religions, according to Hick, are merely different expressions of the one true God. The good news, says Hick, that is proclaimed in each of the great world religions, sets forth the way to attain salvation. Faithfulness to the Torah, discipleship to Jesus, obedient living out of the Quranic way of life, the eightfold path of Buddhist Dharma, or the three great Hindu margas of mystical insight, according to Hick, are all ways of salvation. Let me say to that before I give my answer, I say to that, no, sir, no, when we worship God this morning, when we tell others about God this week, when we tell others about salvation ever in our life, when we pray, when we serve and sing to God, let our minds make sure that the Lord Jehovah, he is God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One in essence, three in person, one God. But not only this, that mighty God, that mighty God who's eternal, who is contingent, or are contingent upon nothing and no one, who is a necessary being, he does not create himself. He is eternally alive. He is eternal life. That God says, I will be your shepherd and you will be my sheep. What a sweet, sweet image how you you have to see sheep i know we live in miami and we don't see sheep unless you go out west into hialeah hialeah's got everything you don't want <laughs> listen to me if hialeah doesn't got it you don't need it okay there's probably some sheep pasture out there 
Have you ever seen sheep though? When we go to Ireland, sheep, if you look in the dictionary under the word chilling, there's a picture of a sheep just standing there like. They are the essence of chilling. They don't got a worry in the world. They just sit out there all day. That's all you hear. And what they're saying. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Hialeah representing. <laughs> and what they're saying is, this is great. The shepherd takes care of a sheep. There's a beautiful, beautiful YouTube video. That sounds almost oxymoronic. There's a beautiful YouTube video where this shepherd brings in people to call his sheep. And he brings up a little, couple little kids and they, they have something that they say like, yoda, 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 or something like that. And one kid after another comes up, yoda, yoda. And then the shepherd comes. The sheep do nothing. They just sit there like, just eat. And they're in this pasture. It's gated off. It's beautiful. And the shepherd stands there and then he, he comes and he does his call. And the sheep all stop and look. And they just run over to him. And they just stand there. And he takes care of them. The God who made heaven and earth is the good shepherd of his sheep. He is not the cosmic killjoy. He is the one who did not spare his own son. Will he not give us all things if he gave us his son? Thank the shepherd this week. We are his sheep. The distinguishing mark of God's people is not their ethnicity. It's not their gender or their social class. The distinguishing mark of God's people is their knowledge and their trust that the Lord, he is God. David moves from a general praise of the world to the specific worship now of his people, of his sheep. In general, God has made all people everywhere. There is no person that who has lived, is living, or will live that is not the creation of God. But this verse has now moved to speak of a more intimate relationship between God and his people. We are his sheep. He is our shepherd. But I want to give you a more beautiful picture of the shepherd than even David could have known. According to the new covenant, sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are God's people like never before. God has poured out his spirit into our hearts of those who profess faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. They know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. They're not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reality though is that not everyone is a sheep of Christ. Only those who hear and obey the good shepherd belong to him. Some here today are hearing about the shepherd but are not following his voice. 
There are some here this morning that think they belong to his pen, but the directions of their lives show that they don't know the good shepherd. But you cannot be a sheep of Christ if you are not following his voice. What did Jesus say? My sheep hear my voice and what? Follow me. Scripture tells us that the Lord's temple is a temple of praise. Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. The author of Hebrews spoke of the freedom that Christians now have to enter into the most holy place of God through the blood of Jesus. Here, David may only speak of what is to come, the future of those who can enter into the courts above to praise God through the only priesthood of Jesus Christ. The author of Hebrews tells us that by faith in God's Son, we may draw near to God by a new and living way made, purchased for us through the curtain of Christ's own flesh. When Christ died, the temple that separated the holy place from the most holy place was torn in two. Access to God was now granted. How can we enter God's court? We enter it usually with, you know, God, I don't like what you're doing here. But Scripture tells us, enter its courts with praise, with thanksgiving, because the very fact that you're even in his courts was an opportunity purchased for you. Yesterday, we, David and I went to uh, the Hurricanes game. The Hurricanes are currently recruiting me. Um, <clears throat> as a fan, of course. Some of you are like, you're too fat to play football. Yeah, and I'm about to get fatter And when this is over. I'm going to come back next week. <laughs> you're going to have to roll me down the aisle. Went to this game yesterday, and we got, we got press tickets from uh, Don Bailey Jr., and we got to go in, and we got to watch uh, these guys on 560 call the game. We sat there with these guys while they were calling the game, and then we went into our room, and it was really small. It was a little warm. And it didn't look like the press box next to us that had these fine leather seats. The fact, the thing that's so amazing about being there is who asked us to come. How could you complain about anything? You don't acknowledge when you stand in his courts with praise that that has been purchased by the blood of his son. Yes, your life might not be perfect when you stand there, but understand that God makes no promises for this life except for a cross. Everything you get is therefore a plus. What he promises is salvation in his son. Enter his courts with praise. David could only speak of this. He didn't know it because he hadn't experienced Christ, but we are in a much more privileged position in history. At this moment in history, how much further have we moved into the presence of God and how much more sure is our confidence before him? 
By the substitution of his son, the father purchased us for himself that we might enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Certainly we are thankful for all the material blessings God has showered on us as his people who live in freedom and affluence. But throughout this holiday week, we will be motivated to praise God for all of the things he has given us. But do not forget the one thing he did for us that he does not do for everyone. He has saved us by his son's substitutionary work. We are his people. Bought by the blood of Christ to be holy, set apart for him and him alone. We will think and we will speak this week of God but our God is Jehovah. He is the Father of our Lord Jesus, and we are his. Let us bless his name this week and bless him by name this week that the world around us might know that we are his and that every material possession that we and they have comes from him. But let us not praise God for the possessions that are guaranteed to perish but praise and glory him for the inheritance that never fades away. The Lord is good. Psalm 105 says as much. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever in his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord is good. And David tells us why. Because his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness endures to all generations. Our praise of God is a true praise. First, we praise God because he's God. There is no other God but Jehovah. We sing a song, there is no God like Jehovah. But in reality, there really is no God but Jehovah. The Baals and Ashtaroths were false gods, nothing but empty vessels of man's false religions. But Jehovah is to be praised because he is, period. I love the story of Dagon, the Philistine idol. Wouldn't it have been a marvelous thing to be in Dagon's temple that day when that idol was flat on its face with a broken face before the ark. Wow. To see every idol crumble before the holiness of God. To see our jobs fail before the holiness of God. To see the country we love fail before the holiness of God. To see technology, our careers, our namesake fail before the holiness of God so that we know that he's God and that nothing else is God but him and him alone. Sometimes, children, the best thing God can do is lay your idols down on their face and break them before your eyes so that you can see that he is God. He is a better portion. Jehovah is pure being. He is pure goodness. 
He is goodness personified. There is no such thing as goodness that exists apart from him. For every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. And what God is, he will always be. God is love. He is faithful. Whatever good and noble character trait men may possess, whether it be goodness or charity or honesty or faithfulness, whatever good trait we possess, we only do so in fragmentary ways. But God is all good, completely omnibenevolent good. When the Apostle Paul or Apostle John defined love, he connected it to the application of our love for one another. To talk about God is good and to talk about love, but how does love manifest itself? John said this, in this is love, the love of God specifically. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That is that God has appeased himself. You know something this week you can thank God for? 100% he is the source of your salvation. I know, I know, I know that I did nothing, not a thing to get my salvation. Ephesians 2.4 tells me while we were dead, 2.1, while we were dead in trespasses and sin, 2.4 tells us God made us alive. I am alive in Christ. I am saved, not because I am great, not because I am good, but because God is good. Only God can love someone and something so unlovely. But we must mock, excuse me, we must mimic his love. Scripture tells us, beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. This week, I want to give you three things to do. Number one, remember that God, not you, not your bo boss, not America, is the ultimate source of your material possessions. Number two, remember that the greatest gift God has given you is his son. God is the source of all good but the greatest source of good is that he gave us his son. Paul says as much. He says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? The son is the greatest gift we could ever receive. He is our peace. He is our solace. He is the only remedy and cure for the hardships of this life. In him we are guaranteed that God's wrath, which was against us, has now become his favor through his cross. Everything in this world is fading away. You ought to go home and check your bank account just before you eat your Thanksgiving dinner just to make sure it hadn't faded away. It'll fade away. My wife and I looked up. Within two months, 
we had amassed $23,000 of unnecessary debt. Roofs aren't free. Cars break down. I thought we were doing good. The Lord is the one who guarantees our success. He is the one we are to care and to look to. And in the midst of your great suffering, remember that the gift you have that cannot be taken away, that is greater than all things, is that he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Finally, remember that true thankfulness, true thankfulness is demonstrated in obedience. Samuel rebuked Saul. Saul thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he had good religion, but he didn't have true religion. He wasn't following God's commands. And Samuel rebuked him. He said, what, Saul, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Saul was the type of guy that lost people would call very spiritual. He was the type of guy that people would call very religious. Because after he had had this victory against God's enemies, the enemies of the Israelites, he decided he was going to take the possessions that God said destroy. And he said, no, 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 I got a better idea with what I'm going to do with these possessions. I'm going to offer them as a sacrifice to God. And God said, I don't care about your attempts to please me. I care that you obey my voice. Many of us are trying to help God out. We think we've got a better way, but God wants one thing from us. If you want to show your thankfulness this week, show him your thankfulness by obeying his word. This is what Samuel says. Listen, Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. You can deep fry a turkey this week and throw it away as a sacrifice to God and he is no more impressed with you if you haven't given him your heart. You can dump Every dime you have into the offering plate. I had a person in my life, a boss, who used to think that by doing good things for me, he could buy God's favor. He told me as much. What does God care with your pitiful sacrifices? He's not cheap. He doesn't want your money. He wants your soul. That is our God. Remember this week, as you are thanking God, to not 
end it with lip service, but to obey with your hands and your feet. Let us thank God as God and as God has demanded to be thanked. Let's pray. God, you are so worthy to be praised. Not a thing we have, not a thing we have has come from any, anyone but you. But Lord, we have your son. Lord, my prayer is this morning, if there is someone in this house this morning, and I am sure that there is someone in this house this morning who cannot say thank you to you as a son, it is my prayer that they will repent of their sins and receive Jesus as Savior. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you don't know God as Father because you don't have his Son, I want to lead you to just pray this prayer, understanding good and well that a prayer is no magical prayer, but a moment where our heart has decided to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. But would you pray with me? Father God, forgive us of our sins. Forgive me of my sins. There is nothing I can do to be good before your eyes. But you have sent your son to die in my place and I put my faith in his sacrifice. Now, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, teach me to thank you all of the days of my life. If you prayed that prayer and you would like to talk more with me after the service about how to grow in salvation to the Lord, I will be happy to do so. Thank you. Would you stand with us as we close?